Hi, welcome to the Theta Gang Podcast, the official podcast of ThetaGang.com. I'm your host, Junie, and thanks for tuning in. These are only my opinions, and anything said in this podcast and future podcasts should not be considered financial advice. I have stock positions in AMD, PayPal, and NVIDIA. Thank you. So this week has been crazy, right? We've bounced from the lows. We didn't break down yet, uh, or if, whenever we would ever break down, I don't know. But we didn't break down. Instead, uh, the market bounced. Um, the Fed increased interest rates by 0.25, which was uh, the main opinion of everybody on Twitter. That's at least the one that I've been seeing. Uh, so we've increased by 0.25, and we were also disclosed the number of times that we were going to raise, and that number is six. So that's my favorite part of the announcement, um, just getting a little bit of that uncertainty out of the way, and so we can expect six more raises as um, time continues. And then they're, of course, always going to add at the end, like, uh, oh, we'll adjust accordingly and, you know, we'll, we'll monitor closely. And so it can change the number of times or how much it changes uh, per time. But it is nice to get a factual number that they'll just, like, announce uh, and have confidence in, which is a 0.25 initial raise uh, and then uh, raising six more times. And... I want to bring up something that I think uh, people won't be talking about enough. And that's the fact that during the announcement, there are people, not, you know, like millions of people, but there are a handful of people that got destroyed, right? You can think about when the FOMC announcement was happening, the market started dipping. Uh, It dipped like pretty, pretty low for the intraday movement. And you can see how people uh, were already on the brink of breaking down from all, like most supports, right? And when Jay Powell starts talking and the interest rate announcement is announced, the market started dropping. And you can immediately think of people wanting to buy like same week expiry spy puts or they wanted to start putting on their hedges right then and there. And these people open it And then the market reverses by end of day. And then the market proceeds to rally like 6%, like like at least 6% in most tickers. So these are the types of decisions that you want to make before the meeting. And you want to also, uh, you know, come up with these price targets and plans on when to exit because it gets really, really emotional when you start trading real time like if you're making trades as someone is making really critical announcements you're bound to make some really emotional decisions which is exactly what i went over in the last twitch live stream last tuesday um at twitch.tv slash real theta gang um that's uh every tuesday at 7 30 pacific time p.m um yeah it's tricky right it's really boring to come up with these plans beforehand it's really boring to you know like pick out strikes and then say like okay i'll exit this contract when it when the price reaches this or i'll enter this contract when the price reaches this it's boring but it saves you a lot of headache and it saves you this like like whip saw of emotions that happens um when you are trading like a live event you just don't have to at that point right so I thought that was a pretty cool 
um, not necessarily cool that people lost money, but it was just a really cool example that like, hey, if you plan ahead, you would have actually probably turned out okay. But if you were trading emotionally, trading you know ad hoc at the moment, there's a very strong chance that a lot of people put on hedges, a lot of people uh, put on very bearish plays because we, we were so close to breaking down. And you can imagine people uh, just wanting to get in and get that aggressive hedge on and that hedge actually losing very hard uh, as of late. We don't know what next week entails. Um, we went up with very strong volume and movement this week. Um, next week, we don't know if we'll cool off a little bit before heading higher or if next week we'll just start reversing. No clue. There's also a Twitter poll I put out uh, at twitter.com slash Real Theta Gang, and you can vote whether or not you think the market will end up higher or lower next week if you are on Twitter. Um, but yeah, I want to quickly go over uh, just talking about Joanne's stock, the craft store, because I made such a big fuss about it last week. Um, but yeah, the stock was rallying super hard into earnings. But as we always say, earnings are super dangerous, and uh, after earnings, is Joanne's stock plunged uh, 10%. Uh, Year-over-year sales uh, declined by 12.5%, um, and the company said it had to absorb close to $60 million uh, of higher ocean freight costs this past year. So supply chain issues are still a big deal, um, and this was all very helpful summary from Yahoo Finance. So I don't know. It's, it's interesting to see like all these COVID-related items start to cool off, especially like crafts or hobby-related things. Uh, I think you can start seeing that trend in like hobby stores as well, uh, or sports stores too. Um, and it's just something that I'm keeping an eye on. I'm not really particular in investing into these companies because I'm not really like a sports person uh, or a crafts person, at least for now. But I think even when I eventually own a home and I start doing like big projects I mean that would be like Home Depot and Lowe's I don't think I'd be at Joann's but we'll see maybe um, also fun fact my girlfriend shops at Michael's and not Joann's so that's also something that uh, I got wrong uh, and I I had to figure out and yeah Michael's does uh, have a stock they're owned by Blackstone Inc and Blackstone Inc has a stock and Blackstone Inc. Uh, actually uh, has a dividend of 4.09%, which is kind of insane. And their P&E ratio is 15, which is also pretty nice. I don't know, because uh, they don't only own Michaels. They have uh, a bunch of subsidiaries like uh, Blackstone Credit and The Weather Channel, a.k.a. weather.com, it seems like. Um, so that's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, I'm not really passionate about Michaels. I'm not passionate about weather.com, though I do use weather.com. Um, so I'm not gonna be investing. But I thought it was just super cool to see a high dividend uh, there. And I think, you know, maybe if my girlfriend's like, okay, I've invested into all the Becky stocks. What do I invest in next? You know, maybe this is this is a cool option. I don't know. The stock does seem like, and we're talking about uh, BX, Blackstone Incorporated stock. The stock is in sort of like a downtrend. It's finding like a base at 109 area, like the 115 area maybe. Um, and it's currently trading at 122. Uh, past year, it's up 70%. Um, but really, since August, yeah, since August of 2021, it's basically traded sideways. Very violent movements down and up, but... 
I'd say like very sideways compared to August. Next up, uh, I have to report on it because I feel like if I didn't, there'd be some emails. Uh, GameStop shares fell roughly 8% in extended trading Thursday. So GameStop, uh, you know, we're just reading from the key points here on the CNBC article uh, by Melissa Repco. Um, GameStop swung to a loss in the holiday quarter amid a turnaround effort and supply chain challenges. The company said it will launch a marketplace for NFTs by end of the second quarter. The video game retailer said it's making progress in other areas too, such as launching a redesigned app, striking relationships with PC gaming brands, and tracking new members to its rewards program. So GameStop to me, um, I mean, I just have a really weird relationship with GameStop. So... I am not a huge fan of the, you know, the apes trading GameStop. We're all in this together. Oh, you know, let's buy the dip together. Oh, we're going to the moon together, brethren and sisters. Like that type of that type of mentality is not what I particularly enjoy in like the FinTwit space. Um, but I do enjoy, you know, like the edgy factor of like you know how roaring kitty set up his trades how he talked about them you know he's very like oh you know i'm doing this for me and that that part was cool i think roaring kitty is one of the coolest and edgiest and best traders that have ever graced like the internet like i would put him up there with michael burry on how how confident he was in his actions and how like public he was with his actions it's just super cool to see right um you know i'm probably gonna get some opinion on that it's like oh how do you think of you know some average average dude uh in and uh, like living at home is gonna beat like a hedge fund manager like michael Burry? like it it's different it's different right like it's relative like having you know roaring kitty be like an example that uh, that can almost be inspiring because michael burry is inspiring but i mean that dude was again playing with like millions billions of dollars we do not play with that sort of money uh and roaring kitty did not play with that sort of money in the beginning um but he has that sort of money now which is really cool uh at least millions very low millions i think but still millions um yeah and so GameStop is one of those stocks to me that I just enjoy uh, watching. Um, and when when news comes around, like earnings comes around, I'll like keep tabs on GameStop. Is it in my watch list? No, because my watch list is very, very bare bones. Uh, I only put things in my watch list that I'm actually willing to buy and that I actually care about. I don't like following things just uh, for the sake of following, I like my UI, uh, in whatever, in whatever app I use to track my stocks, by the way, right now I use Tastyworks. Um, I like it very simple, but anyway, um, yeah, I, until I find a reason to step into a GameStop store, uh, I just cannot justify buying GameStop at all right now. It just seems like there's so many other stocks in the stock market that already generate money um or like have a profit and are you know more sustainable like the right now gamestop is all about growth and building brand loyalty and whatnot and you know the craziest part is like i feel like i'm a gamer and i still have have that stigma of like gamestop um like 
I don't know, not being like the gamer-esque place to go get your your stuff, right? Like when you're a gamer, you kind of just want the parts to just game. So you're going to go and buy online on Amazon or um, or Newegg to buy your PC parts and then get going. If GameStop's trying to change that narrative, then, you know, you might as well like look for, um, I don't know, other stocks that have reward programs or other companies that have reward programs that also sell the same parts like Best Buy. Best Buy is already on that track. Um, but GameStop has a lot to prove and it has, I mean, it costs a lot for the amount of money that it's currently losing uh, in order to grow. And so it's kind of like the whole uh, risk reward factor of investing into something that is already really expensive for uh, what it's like producing for and what it still has to prove. When you buy a company that is really expensive um, but doesn't have to prove all that much because it's just a leader in its industry or leaders in its industries uh, like AMD or NVIDIA, yes, on a scale, like they are pretty expensive for the stock. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say like, oh, those are more cost efficient. I'm not gonna try to go in that battle there. But I will say that they don't they don't have to have um, like they don't need to prove themselves with anything. And they are they are profitable. They have a PE ratio. Uh, AMD has like a dividend. It's really small. Um, and yeah, it's it doesn't make sense on why you would choose this as your risk reward rather than another company to me. And especially if you're telling me that you don't shop at GameStop um, or that you are a gamer, like how do you, how do you feel about their NFT store, right? Like, are you a gamer then if you if you like the NFT store? Because right now NFT NFTs and the gamer gamer world are getting like a huge amount of flack, right? Some of you might say, "Oh, Junie, why are you so bearish on crypto? Why are you so bearish on NFTs? NFTs have made people a lot of money this year." It's like they've also lost, like they made a lot of people lose a lot of money as well, right? It's not just a one-way street where everyone makes money. You have to offload that NFT to someone else. Well, Junie, well, if you look at CryptoPunks and if you look at Board Eight Yacht Club, you know that those have only gone up. Yeah, but those are only those two, right? Like there's others, there's other NFTs that have mooned, I'm sure. But the truth of the fact is like most NFTs will fail. That's, that has to be the case. There's no way that they're all successful. I will go down in history and recording this right now that there's not a world where most NFTs will be successful in the end. A lot of them are scams for sure. And uh, in the gaming world, uh, you know, it's not an accepted, uh, it's definitely not an accepted, uh, like category of, I don't know, game to enjoy. Cause a lot of the games in, for the NFT space are just really cash grab. Gabe Newell, uh, CEO and co-founder of Steam, right? Is like one of the, one of the main proponents in perpetuating this idea of like NFTs just are not good. Uh, so he banned all like NFT related games on Steam, which was a great move, and everyone enjoyed that. And um, I don't know. Do you under? You kind of see where I'm coming from? Where like GameStop is like in the middle of an identity. It's not an identity of its own. It's GameStop is not the gamer place to go. Uh, if you need consoles or games to just play, you can go to literally any other store to buy. The game you can go to Target, Best Buy, uh, you can go get it on Amazon, um, you know Walmart. You can go to 
any of those stores just to get a game and you don't really necessarily care about the rewards program unless if you buy games all the time but really like aren't you just buying those games on the store when you're just downloading the game but then you might say well Junie CDs aren't gonna go anywhere anytime soon you still want to buy a CD a lot of people like buying the hard copy but like how many people is that when you have to actually go to the store and it's like oh but people want to be able to buy the game and play it right away they don't want to wait and wait for it to download but you know you're gonna have to download that day zero patch for all the bugs that are coming out for the AAA games that are not completed when they're announced there are so many things that make me not enjoy you know owning GameStop stock but you know to each their own I'm not gonna hound it anymore it's just weird to me I'm not saying it's a bad idea to own GameStop I just think that the people that are really really bullish on it I want to hear what their opinion is on, you know, my opinion. Like, if if you are really bullish on GameStop, I would really love and appreciate and enjoy you writing in to my email at juni at thetagame.com. And there is a heavy 99% chance that I'll read it in, like, the next episode or wh- wh- whenever, whenever that email comes in. So, if... You are super bullish. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna uh, like clown on you or anything. I'll read your email like word for word. Don't use any bad words, please. And then, um, you know, get both sides of the argument here because I I feel kind of bad. I know a lot of people do enjoy owning GameStop stock, but you know, I'm I'm really just about you know responsibly trading and making sure you understand max loss and stuff. But then I see GameStop over here and. I, I get, you know, people writing in like, oh, you know, I got got here. I get got here. So I want to hear the other side. Juni at ThetaGang.com. Here is one more thing. And I promise one more thing before we say the next week's earnings. Bitcoin. You know, I don't really f- frequently talk about uh, Bitcoin on the podcast. But I have to say Bitcoin has been surprising. Um, you know, we... I think as a collective always thought that Bitcoin was like the hedge against the stock market, uh, hedge against inflation, hedge against the world ending, AKA maybe uh, like World War Three or like coronavirus or some, something like that. Um, it to me has not been acting that way. I have not seen that type of price action. Uh, you know, when the stock market is down bigly, uh, Bitcoin is also down bigly when the stock market is scared of, you know, the Russia-Ukraine conflict uh, getting out of hand. I also see Bitcoin going down. Um, and then, you know, coronavirus happened. Yeah, I think the it did benefit from, like, a pandemic and, um, you know, the people having more time at home to understand what Bitcoin is and maybe that introduced a lot of people back into the market. But as of late, uh, I don't see Bitcoin as, like, a, a real hedge. I just see it as a speculative uh you know risky play i don't think it's a bad play i mean by all means if you like allocate your risk properly you don't go all in i'm sure it's fine to add it to any sort of portfolio but you know a lot of the the main points that people used to make at least the people in the stock market used to make aren't necessarily true right like bitcoin is not the hedge uh against you know conflict or um uh what is it like interest rates or inflation right i don't i just don't see it uh so i thought that would be that was an interesting point uh bitcoin right now is at 
like 42k basically it's 41,963 cents and 10 cents or 963 dollars and 10 cents um yeah basically at 42k i'm just chilling um it's doing like this up upward trend that i see right now um but in any case uh i guess as a disclaimer i should say that i do own some bitcoin but um, it's marginal compared to how much I do invest regularly uh, in my like TasterWorks account, which again I share at twitch.tv slash RealThetaGang. All right, finally, uh, about 20 minutes into the episode, I'm finally reading earnings. I think that has to be a new, new record. Uh, after close on Monday, uh, you have Nike, um, and then after close on Tuesday, there is Adobe. Uh, after close on Wednesday. Uh, there is trip.com uh, after close on Thursday there is neo and uh, I think that's about it so Nike stock is absolutely the top contender of what I'll be looking at this week um, just because it has corrected so hard from no like it's November top uh, it's had a high of 174 and now it's at 131 after like this crazy bounce that we've had um you know if nike were to beat and go up i mean this could be the start of the the trend that makes it go up the the reason why nike has fallen from what i see is just like this no the sales cooling off from you know the pandemic i think a lot of people got really motivated to start working out because they're they're, they're at home you know gym equipment started selling out, you know, it was very hard to find weights to uh, buy, to lift, right? Um, and some of that's cooling off. And I'm sure, you know, the recent news of, you know, some of China's cities going on lockdowns uh, affecting Nike's supply chain um, or the potential that it could affect its supply chain if it wasn't one of those cities that it uses, um, that caused a hiccup in its price too. Um, some other... You know, some other news that Nike has had is that it's pulled all of its shoes from Foot Locker. Foot Locker then decided to drop like like close to 30% in its stock price. Um, but yeah, Nike uh, focusing more from like business direct to customer type of sales should help um, as they've been like really like amping up their um, customer service and you know the ease of use to like return something and i can i can vouch for that i've re i've uh i've returned a few items that i bought online from nike.com and uh, returning it is really easy you just drop it off at the store uh, or at a ups um and the refund is like given to you like as soon as they scan the item like it doesn't even have to reach their department um uh, for nike returns and i thought that was really cool so you know Nike earnings coming up this Monday. Um, will I be buying it? Probably not. Uh, I just have too much other, too many other opportunities I need to focus on, like my PayPal position that's currently red, uh, and my AMD position that's finally uh, that's uh, also red. Um, my Nvidia position is green. It's almost too green. My cover calls are super blown through. Um, but I'm curious to see where we actually end up going next week because. If we start correcting, I'm kind of just chilling. I'm in this mode where, you know, if we continue going down, I'm pretty much still at my break even because my cover calls are super red. Uh, my first one gets called away uh, next week, Friday. That's my NVIDIA shares. So if some cooling off happens, it will lead to some interesting plays that I can do 
or maybe I do a buy right that's you know slightly in the money um, but we'll see we'll see what comes of that I'll probably do some sort of like red covered call podcast episode soon because I know that a lot of people are getting caught in these whips ups and downs um, or maybe I won't I, I know I have a few episodes on that already uh, you know just for those that haven't listened to that uh, sort of episode from me yet like the biggest takeaway is definitely um, uh, that you know you want to make sure that you write your covered calls above your break even because weeks like these will always happen to you in the stock market. You can never time these sort of weeks. If you were able to time these sort of weeks, you would be really really rich. Um, so uh, just making sure that you know you sell covered calls above your cost base. So in the event that you do get assigned at least you exit for green. I know a lot of people are red in their positions right now uh, and you could get really caught up in, you know, maybe a red position is less red and then you sell, you want to sell a covered call because you just don't think it's going to go up any further but you sell it below your cost basis. That's the day where the stock will keep going. It'll blow through your covered call and you'll exit for a loss when you didn't mean to. Or if you do exit your covered call um, for a loss, it just makes your break even that much more worse. So... It's really these simple things that you know carry you really far, um, and you know the, the people will talk about. Oh, you gotta learn about Greeks. You gotta learn about. Um, you gotta read the earnings report. You gotta know how this number works. You gotta know how this Greek works. You gotta know how this technical indicator works. It's it's not anything really about that, especially when you're first beginning. When you first begin, you should just you know buy low and sell high. That's that's it. And if your time horizon is long enough, like like on the tweets that you always like on Twitter but you never act on, then you'll be fine, right? Like if you truly believe that it's time in market versus timing the market, then you wouldn't be as worried as um, the next person. But we're all human and we get really emotional. And that's what this podcast is all about. I assume that you mess up sometimes because I also mess up sometimes. And uh, I just take this moment of when you're listening to this podcast just to remind you that making mistakes is okay and it happens to everybody and emotional trading you know it, it happens people make emotional trades all the time it's what you can do next time to be better and you know if it's me saying you know sell above your break even or you know sell sell your covered call break your above your break even for the 10,000th time maybe this time is the time you do it right um anyway Let's get into uh, today's episode topic, and uh, we'll get started. So today's topic, we're going to be talking about quad witching. Um, quad witching uh, is the event of four different types of contracts uh, all expiring simultaneously market-wide. So I can kind of understand if someone uh, were to just hear this definition without saying market-wide, they might think, oh, it's, the, it's a name for something that happens to your own personal account. It's something that happens market-wide. So you know how regular stock options have ex expiration dates? There are three other types of contracts um, that have expiration dates as well, including index futures, stock futures, uh, and index options. Uh, on top of what I was just talking about, single stock options. So those four um, all have different expiry dates, but there's an event four times a year where all four types of contracts expire on a given day. I think a large part of the reason why people um, pay attention to quadruple witching is 
there's a lot of volume on these days because there's so many interchanging of contracts, closing out of contracts. You know, if you're down on a contract, maybe this is where you close out your losses before it gets um, a little bit more volatile. Or maybe if you're, um, you know, ahead on your contracts, maybe this is where you cash out and take your profits and then put your money elsewhere. So quadruple witching, you can think of like just as a normal single um, stock option that you would particularly trade. What if you were a huge hedge fund that had all types of these options uh, all expiring at one time? So then you would be inclined to say, close out your winners or maybe close out your losers, open up new positions all at the same time in this like last hour of trading, which can lead to volatility. But it doesn't necessarily mean that volatility needs to happen. If everyone in the market just agrees on the same price of when you, these uh, contracts and stocks are being exchanged, then you know the price doesn't move, right? It's when there's like a large amount of uh, news coming out, maybe some people with stronger opinions that have a lot more money can maybe potentially change how the market goes. But ideally, um, when quad witching occurs, uh, there's like a less volatile environment where interchanging of contracts and prices at these contracts uh, makes the price just remain stable. However, something that can al almost always be guaranteed is that there's a larger volume of contracts. There are arbitrage opportunities um, where you know if you do think the market can swing in either or direction you can play that swing trade and you can make a lot of money but you know you know just with a disclaimer it doesn't have to move if everyone in the world traded at the same time but everyone in the world say for example thought that Apple does belong at its current price right now and just traded Apple at that price yes there is a lot lot more volume in the stock market but the price doesn't shift um, drastically in either or direction because everyone agrees on that price. So quadruple witching um, leads to more volume. It doesn't have to lead to more volatility, um, but it is a unique opportunity where if you did want to get a little bit more risky or wanted to have some fun trades, it is an uh, opportunity to look at. I also want to clarify that on the quad, the quad, cod the like it's fish um i want to clarify that on the quad witching day again that happens four times a year um the exchanging and closing out contracts and the and the the flipping of you know green to another position all of that interchanging of money and volume can happen throughout the day or even earlier in the week uh there's nothing set in stone that says hey uh, all the hedge funds get together and they decide to trade in the last hour. Uh, that's not the case. Um, it's just up to the trader's discretion of like, okay, I'm aware that it's quadruple witching uh, day soon. And then uh, I want to reallocate some of my funds to more responsible investments or I want to go cash and then make an investment later. It's just a decision um, that's made because of the day. There's no set time where, you know, because of all these uh, trades expire at the one time, you get the special trading window. It has nothing to do with that. It's just the event that all four of those types of contracts expire on the same day. Something that I did not know, um, it, and this is from investopedia.com, uh, in folklore, the witching hour is a supernatural time of day when evil things may be afoot. So. You know, I kind of thought that it had to do with some like fairy tale sort of thing. Um, but, you know, j just confirming witching hour now just all clicks and it makes sense. So that's why it gets its name uh, witching just because, you know, 
crazy things can happen. Um, Investopedia also has this uh, this example of a real-world example of quadruple witching. I'll just read it off here. Friday, March 15th, 2019 was the first quadruple witching day of 2019. The frenzy leading up to Friday during that week led to increased market activity. However, it's uncertain as to whether the witching leads to increased gains in the market since it's impossible to separate any gains due to expiring options and futures from gains due to other factors such as earnings and economic events. So, yeah, trading volume goes up, but it doesn't mean that the market has to also be volatile. And reading just a little bit further down in the article, you see that um, there were 3.3 billion more shares traded uh, over the last 20 trading days during that time because of the quad witching event. Um, but it seemed like the gains uh, were very small because S&P was only up 0.5% and the Dow was up only 0.54%. So, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool that they put a real-world real example. Um, but to put even more real-world, I mean, let's just look at the stock price yesterday. So SPY stock. Um, yesterday, we went up 1%. So that was pretty crazy. The thing that was super crazy, okay, to me yesterday was that despite going up two days in a row, um, we went up again on the Friday with a good amount of volume because of Quad Witching Day, which you know makes me almost think that we there is a chance that we continue the run next week just because so many shares were traded at this price uh, despite you know this being like the third day in a row of a strong bounce so um yeah while one percent uh on quad witching day in this example here on spy is not that much i still consider that to be pretty strong given the amount of volume uh, that we've had after we've gone up so much uh in the lighter half of last week so quad witching day bigger volume more people trading doesn't necessarily mean the stock market has to go up but it is something that you can look at and that wraps it up for today's episode uh today is a really really good looking day uh here in orange county uh i went ahead and called my uh stepdad and my mom today this is a reminder that uh you should probably call your parents your parents miss you if you do not have parents that are still around um, you know, remind other other friends that you have that uh, that still have parents around. I know that I feel pretty lucky um, to still have my parents around. I hope uh, that you can find time to you know have like a ten minute call. And if you know if you really don't want to talk all that long, you can just say you have to go run an errand or something, or you're like walking into somewhere and you need to hang up. Right? Um, we're we're lucky if we have parents, especially parents that care about us. I think earlier when I was younger, I didn't really appreciate a lot of the things that my parents did. But now, seeing them get older, every time I visit them, it, it kind of like, it feels super bad. But it also does feel good knowing that I'm aware of this now and that I could put more effort into, you know, uh, getting in touch with my parents. Because it's easy to just like kind of work your 9 to 5 and do your other hobbies and kind of... Just have your parents in the background thinking, you know, they'll live forever. They're my parents. They're superheroes. They're fine. But they miss you. And uh, this is just your reminder to call them. All right. You can follow me on Twitch at Real Theta Gang. You can follow me on Twitter at Real Theta Gang. You can email me at juni at ThetaGang.com. ThetaGang is proudly partnered with Tastyworks. 
and signing up with the Theta Gang referral code is a huge help. That's Theta Gang, one word, all caps. Uh, I want to give a shout out to my patrons here. That's Pocket Change, Avrilian, Mike D, Slow Motion, JZN, Symmetrics, Pastor Bedtime, Empty Cans, Moz, Norkel, Royal Bitch, Brady Seven, uh, Upstream Puddle, Craig Thomas, CJ Wilson, BJ Kim, Statistically Random, Mr. Integrity, Drevy Deleted, Jeff Eighty Six, Iron Bell, Wheaton, DJ Mac Eighty Six, Nav, Vlad TC, Maltman Eighteen Fifty Six. Chivonis, M. Hayden, Lil, Mr. Sneezy, Mr. Meadow Dundum, Grandpa 95, Leo, Jesse, Fancy Wolf, My Extra XC, Meg Fly, Seneca, Meg, Chicken Dinner, Ivan Yurkinoff, Arfman, uh, Lord Skeletor, Blaze Reservist, The Jester, Chris, or Crispy Cream Boy, Kaput, Rustier, Shifty, AG, Theta Ray, UXV, El Finko, 4RT, Can't Make Money, RLL, and uh, NSYS88. Uh, thank you all uh, for listening. Um, Today is a bit of a busier day, so I can't ramble on at the end of this one, but I will ramble on a little extra in the next one, I promise. Uh, I'll go ahead and end it here. Thank you for uh, just continuing to listen. I appreciate all of you. And, uh, yeah, my emails are always open. If you if you have any sort of uh, question you'd love to be answered on the podcast, that's even better because that just gives more context into just, like, you know, who – Who's listening? Like, what type of people do people, you know, what type of questions do people uh, ask? And I don't know. It feels like more of a community-based podcast that way. But anyway, uh, take care. I'll see everybody next uh, Tuesday, live stream, 7.30 p.m. Pacific time at twitch.tv slash realthetagang. Otherwise, I'll see everybody uh, next week on the podcast. Bye-bye.